Welcome back. Episode two of season two of the Thanks for Rolling podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm here with Pat. And Pat, we have a special guest. We do. Tonight we are joined by Audra Merzicki. Did I get it right? You did. Yes. Yeah. I was wondering whether We're off for a good one. Just as you were about to start to say it, I was like, "Oh, is he actually going to say the last name?" That's even more powerful. I know. I know. We've we've had some podcasts in the past where we just entirely avoid the avoid the last names because we're just not sure. Yeah. When I interviewed you, I was also nervous about your name. I believe I had to say it like three times yeah. to mm-hmm. make sure I had it right. Just throw the G in there when you need to, right? Yeah, it won't bother me. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Audrey, how are you? I'm good. Happy to be here. It's been a while. I'm a little nervous. I've never been on the other end having to come in with questions. Yeah. So when we first met Audra, she was here to interview Pat for, at the time, Black Belt Magazine. That's right. Right. And then she, um, it was like the hottest day of the year last oh, year. Right. So brutal. It was a ridiculous, <laughs> That's brutal day. the hottest jujitsu I've ever done. Yeah. And then she stayed and uh, took a class with us. Mm-hmm. Um, probably what, June of last year, maybe? It was right around this time, right around I think. this time? Yeah. Sounds about right. So, um, and then we had the luxury or the pleasure of um, seeing you at a bunch of different events, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And we've always kind of had it in our head, like, oh, we should turn the tables on Audra and have her <laughs> come here. Yeah. Uh, so Audra spends a lot of time interviewing others. So, time to turn the tables. Yes, I'm honored. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you. So, um, we generally like to hear, I have a, so much stuff to ask you, but we generally <laughs> like to start with the jiu-jitsu journey, mm-hmm. right? So um, how did you end up with jiu-jitsu? Well, I was doing uh, title boxing to lose the baby weight, just the classic story. And uh, one of my coaches there was doing uh, an MMA fight, and I went to watch and there were grapplers, and I was like, what is happening? I was very confused, and the whole experience made me want to go martial arts shopping. I, it, title is fantastic, really, really great. It's great for weight loss especially, but I wanted to really learn martial arts, and so I went to a couple of different places, and the first time I tried jujitsu, I drove home, and I was like, that's the one. I knew it without a doubt. Where, where was that? That was at um, Phoenix Lowell. Okay. Okay. How long ago are we talking? That was three years ago, and I was there for about eight months, and then I changed to Team Flow, where I trained for about two years, and I just recently changed to Bazani in Nashua. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that you you weren't with Flow anymore. Yeah. um, I was at Flow for a while. It's this fantastic shark tank of a gym, just like a fun environment, and I loved it, and uh, and then I had connected with these women over at Bazani and was sort of a part of this group doing things outside of jiu-jitsu and just really wanted to make the transition. But it's all New England United, so um, it's really the same team. And, and I also cross-train at Seneca and Marlboro. So within New England United, I really hop around. NEU is Dedeco's mm-hmm. yes. school, right? Yeah, okay. That's, yep, that's Dedeco. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't realize that you had been in a couple of different places then. Mm-hmm. So traditionally in the gi. Yeah, I want to live in my gi. I, when I was at Team Flow, they have this really good no-gi program. And I just, I would try, I don't know. I just feel very comfortable in the gi and very uncomfortable no-gi. We'll try to change that today. Good. Try to <laughs> flip, flip that around for you All tonight. Right. <laughs> what, I guess, what, what aspects of it? As you feeling that way? 
Oh, uh, well, I'm, I feel like I'm old and I want to slow down <laughs> the young wrestler boys. And with a gi, it's, I can just hold them. I've learned techniques to do that. And the athleticism of no gi, it just doesn't seem to suit me. I'm like, I don't have time for this. I just, I can't run around like that. It's not my, I have slow jitsu. That I can empathize with. Mm-hmm. I have slow jitsu too. Mm-hmm. Um, I do slow jitsu without the gi though. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But I started off in the gi, right? Mm-hmm. So I understand what you're saying. I know it's, it, there's a transition there. Mm. It's not easy. I always. Yeah. Do. I mean, for most people, it's a hobby. You're doing it because you like it. So you might as well do the style that you enjoy doing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so you've been about three years, you said, right? Yep. Uh, recently got promoted. Back in January. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you feel different? Uh, no. <laughs> I feel different, I mean, just over time and learning jujitsu, but I don't know. Did you feel, was it hard uh, after you got promoted to, like, did you feel like you deserved it? Yeah, I'd, I'd been training a while and um, I, felt, I felt ready for it. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was a huge, you know, it's just different, different color. Step along the way. Yeah. I still have some white belts that can challenge me and some purple belts who I feel like I can occasionally maybe challenge. Maybe. So it's it's all just color. Yep. I just like training. It's it's your personal achievement. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, totally agree. Um, So you also do some stuff around the jujitsu community, right? So talk to me a little bit about, well, rolling times now, right? But how did you get involved with them, you know, as a... You have an editor title, right? Yeah, chief associate editor. Yeah. I write articles, interview for them, make commercials, anything. Uh, so I, how did I get involved with that? Um, I trained, I cross-trained with a guy named Arturo, I'm trying to think of his last name, oh my goodness, uh, over at Seneca. He's a Seneca black belt. And he had asked me to edit an article that he was writing for a magazine. And I did a couple for him and he had, said to them, like, hey, if you're looking for an editor, I have someone who's been editing mine, and she does jujitsu. So I connected um, with my boss over there, Graham, and then Laborio, and they asked me to start doing some other things other than editing. Um, so it just kind of rolled. I just dove in. Hmm. Yeah. Did you have a professional background in editing or writing prior to that? Um, I have edited uh, for the Althea... Althea's Realm series. It's a sci-fi by um, John Merzicki, who I'm related to through marriage. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that, so I took some classes. And uh, I, I've always liked writing for fun, so uh, it's just something I've been good at. Yeah. Mm, nice. I don't, I don't really know what that means, to be editing. Like... <laughs> I mean, I know it's not just spell checking, right? But like, what, what does that mean? Like, what do you do if you say, I got, I have to edit this article? Um, I do a lot of editing for content. Um, editing for people who write for the magazine is tricky because they're not writers. They're black belts in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So some of them happen to be very talented and they'll send me something and I'm like, this is great. And then some of them need a lot more guidance. Um, I had a guy send me a three-page paper with no periods. Not one. 
Oh, I don't even know how fun. Word allowed him to do it. And you get those just, little guys. Yeah. I was I was amazed, and every time I get something by him, I always call him my Everest. And yeah, <laughs> um, but his content is good. What he what he wants to get across is great, but it's a stream of consciousness, and I have to put it together into something that humans can read. Hmm. Yeah, so I do yeah. a lot of that. And then do I see you do some writing on your own book reviews? Oh, I have Hummingbird Reads is my little my little side interest on Instagram. Um, I so I wrote a I wrote a novel and um, I haven't entered into the world of of uh, rejection yet into <laughs> try to get it published. Um, and it just kind of got sidetracked by life. And I had been reading a lot. I've always been a bibliophile since college, and I just I like to read and review books for fun. Uh, for the magazine, I did review Robert Drysdale's book, Opening Closed Guard. Yep. So I've been trying to get a little more professional with it. Well, you can't just tell us you wrote a book without help <laughs> telling us about it. Um, well, it's a it's a fiction, a, a historical fiction based in World War II, where a, well, I don't know. Maybe I won't tell about it. <laughs> I'm really weird about my book. Um, I actually, so I'm a farmhand, and I started at that farm because I needed research for the book that I wrote, which takes place on a horse ranch. I didn't know anything. So I went there and asked if I could shadow someone, and she was pregnant, and she had a baby, and I, I did her job during her maternity leave, and she ended up going somewhere else, and I just never left. So... I've actually been at a farm for like three years just because I didn't want to leave. Yeah. Once you go to a farm, you just, nothing's better, <laughs> as you know. So that's how I, I get involved in things in the weirdest ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have your fingers in a lot of stuff, huh? Yeah, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah, that's okay, neither do I. Um, besides the podcast, yeah. host, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't have to tell us the plot. I, I just think it's interesting that I, I'm fascinated by someone who can... I'm fascinated by the process by which someone can write a novel. Mm. Um, because for me, I don't have, like, I can't slow myself down enough to be, like, I know, like, they say, like, what? Like, you got to write a thousand words a day, right? Or whatever. Right. And I can't, like. Get all the detail in there. I couldn't, like, I, you know, for me, I, I would have a hard time doing that. I realized that the idea is, like, you write that so that you're not trying to bite off, you know, eat the elephant, right? And I couldn't that like I wouldn't know how to do that so it's like a mental game there that I can't even like get my head around being able to do the book flew out of my fingers I couldn't spit it out fast enough I had the entire plot in my head and I wrote it very fast and um and then I had to fill in some gaps but I I I can't describe it it wasn't a, it wasn't a labor it was like okay I've got to go to bed I have to stop <laughs> Let me make a few notes of like what I know I need to write tomorrow. And then the next day I'd wake up and I'd keep going. And it was very intense process. And I've had several ideas for books. I've had several books that I've started. Um, and that one just really was the one. It just had to come out. I've had uh, maybe three people read it. And um, I've gotten good feedback from it. I don't know exactly why I haven't pull the trigger on seeking out publication but it's fascinating yeah i've really. been spending six months just trying to type up a few pages of curriculum for the fundamentals class and i just can't get it to flow through my fingertips <laughs> well that's different than like a story writing writing fiction is uh 
it's creative and yeah a million times harder is what you mean mm. <laughs> yeah i don't know i felt like i knew this person in my head and i had to express express this person and i came up with characters that this person would like and it just kind of came out i don't know it's very interesting mm. yeah i'm like my brain is so far separated from being able to do something like that mm. it's funny because i've written like scripts like movie scripts or like short scripts. Mm-hmm. And once I got started doing those, you know, once you, once I got rolling, I could, it gets, gets going. But the idea of like writing, uh, 200, 300 pages is like, just, it hurts my head. Right. Mm. Yeah. So, um, where are you from? Connecticut. You are from Connecticut. Whereabouts? West Hartford and Bloomfield. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then where do you live now? Groton, Groton, Massachusetts. I almost said Groton, Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, nobody even knows Very there is a Groton, places. Massachusetts. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't either. If you would say Groton, Connecticut, I would say, oh, okay. Even yeah. though I know you weren't in Connecticut, but. Nope. Um, okay, so I know both those areas, obviously. Um, I know we have a bunch of jujitsu questions for her, right? You guys have had a, my understanding is you guys had a debate about um, a type of jujitsu competition at one point. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. this about rule sets? At tournaments, at super fights, or? super fights, yes, the the concept, the concept of a of super being fight. called a super fight, yeah. So I remember that. Um, <laughs> one of you is a fan of it being called a super fight, right? And one of you is not. Is that my understanding? I think I'm more strongly against it than you are for it. But I, I think you were I you were on the other side of the line for me a little bit. I can't remember. Well, it doesn't matter what I remember. I'm trying <laughs> to think what I think now. Um, my thought was. We had gotten into this conversation because I had done one, or I was about to. Mm-hmm. I forget where I was in the process when we had the conversation. And I didn't like calling it a super fight because I was a white belt, and it was like, you know, who am I? And there's debate about I, what I used to call my single match. I called it a single match, mm-hmm. and I felt that that was appropriate. It is one match at a time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what your rank is. It's a it's a a single match. Um, yeah, but the, I suppose now I, I don't feel like it should be called a super fight unless it is some kind of serious showcase. Right. Gordon but Ryan, Andre Galvao at ADCC. It's a super fight. Mm-hmm. It's the two best guys. Mm-hmm. The year or the match is years in the making. Like that's, that's a super fight. So Although the, also the part of the problem I have, if we split the words, like, I I don't it bugs me calling jujitsu matches a fight, uh-huh. and I don't get super hung up on that. Like, I can see the arguments both way of both ways with that one. Like people will say, well, you know, if you get in a if you get in a street fight and no punches are thrown, but someone gets double legged and knocked out on the pavement, was it a fight or was it not a fight? Mm. So like, where do you separate? Like, what what makes it a fight? But then when you put it together with super, it's mm-hmm. like. Well, maybe there's there's two different things here. There's the idea of tournaments, whether it's a fight, and then there's the street, whether it's a fight. I would say if you have a confrontation on the street that gets physical, you can go ahead and say you've been mm-hmm. in a fight. Yes, agreed. But if you're in a tournament, uh, the difference is to separate grappling from the striking arts. So that, you know, saying I'm in a single match um, or in any form of jujitsu match sort of separates it from, you know, 
automatically you know I'm not getting hit Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not hitting, but it's still a sport, still a match. That makes sense. Isn't, would you say a fight is any kind of physical confrontation? On the street? No, not necessarily. Oh. But I think it's a strong distinction. I would agree with you that anything that happens on the street where you're in an altercation with someone, where you it's could very say it's real, yeah. you can't mm-hmm. tap yeah. out. Right, right. right. Well, you could, but it won't matter, right? Right. I mean, well, you could be like mercy and yeah. maybe, but yeah. it depends what the what the fight is for. But, but if I, I'm upstairs I'm in the gym and I am grappling with you, that is not a fight. No. No. Although you could also say that, say you're at. This has happened once in a while. You're at jujitsu and people start to actually fight they get mad at each other egos something goes wrong it doesn't happen often in jujitsu really but it can someone shoves someone then you would turn and say like oh what's going on they got in a fight and it does make it a distinction I don't know if that would be the case if you're sparring when you're doing a Muay Thai class but I suppose the words match and fight are different for these distinctive reasons interesting point so in that example the fight the term fight is more closely aligned to the sentiment being, I'm now intending to hurt you. Yes. Right? Yeah. On the street, it's the same thing. Yep. If I'm in a UFC match, right, and my intention is to hurt you. Yep. If I'm sparring, I'm not. Yep. Right? If I'm training upstairs and we're grappling, I'm not. Takes the right? consent out of it. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is consensual. Grapp- um, sparring is consensual. Technically, you could be in a street fight that's consensual. We're both in here. <laughs> we're in here to go, but it's a different understanding. These right. are hard to define. Right, and to contradict myself, um. You, if you compete long enough, you're going to come across matches that feel like the other person was trying to fight you. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost hard to resist. Every so often, the feeling, I think, comes over everybody where you kind of have this urge to hit someone. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if you guys, this happens to me sometimes, not not very often, but like even with my primary training partners where some, they'll do something and I'm like, you know what, fuck you. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. where you, you get like a little of a bit of an edge, right? Yeah. Um, does that happen to you guys? I had a training partner, fe- a female training partner, uh, her butt once in, in anger. You did what with her? I smacked her ass oh. in, in <laughs> anger. She's my buddy. I love her. And she just, I, she was just, she, I think she, uh, it was shin to the nose for an arm bar. It happens. It happens all the time, but it was so hard and I was so mad at it. We taught that one last night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we did, actually. You're right, we did. So I think these things can happen. Everybody can get that urge, but sometimes there's a little edge, and then you have to stop. Yeah. Yeah, the last last couple of training sessions before the match last week, I was getting annoyed with some rounds that I was doing, but I also recognized I was at the tail end of eight weeks of hard training and probably just a little irritable in general. And I don't think they were doing anything to me they don't normally do. I think just my reception of it was a little different. That's what I was going to ask. Was it something that someone else was doing during the session, or was it your just your disposition that was? Yeah. Sometimes you also adjust your jujitsu when you're angry. It becomes if I find that I think when it happens the most with me is if men are really using strength to a point that I think it's not quite to where I'm going to stop it because I have stopped it before where I'm like, don't throw me. I'm a little. I'm a little person, but like if it's not quite to that point, but they're just being like sitting on my face or something like, come on, you don't need to do that. I might adjust my, my jujitsu where I'm going to cross face way (laughs) worse than I normally would. And, and just try to be a little more like 
you know, elbow E into mm-hmm. their jaw or s- to move them or something. So I think there's that. I'm a woman. I'm not cursed with the male ego, so it probably doesn't happen to me as often. But I can also get away with more for that reason. Yeah. Interesting, <laughs> interesting segue. Um, the... Um, the idea of how larger, stronger, athletic men mm. need to appropriately train with women, mm. right? It's a, it's a tricky line that I think a lot struggle with because there's, a, there's the perfect middle ground in there somewhere, right? They shouldn't necessarily be using all of their size and strength in, in those astri- attributes, but at the same time, it's also disrespectful if they're not mm-hmm. like trying for real right yeah well if you don't try at all a woman who really trains is gonna right gonna give you a problem but even if they don't like you shouldn't just be flopping around right. like a yeah a floppy fish because yes you're going against a woman yes like, you need to find that middle ground of where you're giving them mm-hmm. the the realist jujitsu that you can without using your extra hundred pounds of weight maybe I have an article coming out in Rolling Times in the next week or two, actually, about finding balance with your training partners, whether they're older or younger, male or female, their belt color, um, just about how you see a person you're about to roll with and that you've never rolled with before, and you're going to immediately size them up. You don't even consciously have control over it. It's the way you would with anyone who you're about to have a physical altercation with. And anyone who trains knows you can't trust your eyes. You don't, you don't know what's coming until you feel the touch. It's why people will often you start kind of slow. An <laughs> upper belt will start very slow and literally give you their hands to see what you do with them. And then you can match the energy appropriately. And I think um, there is this tough spot. So I'm, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm 140 pounds. I'm, I'm, I'm a small person. And I'm a blue belt. So I sometimes uh, have to talk people through this. I had a white belt recently absolutely throw me and then land on me very hard. And I tapped and he looked at me confused and I said, you can't throw me like that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman. And he said, like, oh, I saw the blue belt and I thought you'd destroy me. And I was like, mm. well, yeah, maybe, you know, during the jujitsu part. But if you're going to roll with a black belt who's 70, don't throw him either. Mm. It's a balance that you have to find. And um, some people have to be told that. And some people just figure it out. Some have a good sense of it on their own. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a challenge I think most people have to face, especially the larger people. That's interesting. Do you think there's a difference in... Do you think there's a difference in, you know, if... Uh, 140-pound man comes in, mm-hmm. white belt, and off the street, right? And I go to roll with him, and I am not using strength. Right? I'm just trying to be like, all right, I'm going to use a ton of technique, right? And that's, is there a difference in what I should do with that person versus what I should do against you as a woman? My take is... I leave my modern feminism at the door when I do jujitsu. On the mat, it's reality. It's all that I have. I have no idea that I think this could be an unpopular opinion, but it's my opinion that men are 
everything about a man's body is to fight. They have faster twitching muscle fibers. They have testosterone. They're set up for it in a different way. My body is designed to make babies. Mm-hmm. It's just a genetic difference. It, it's, it's very real. So it's why I think more women need to train. The mats are filled with men. They don't need it as much as women do. They don't get attacked as much as women do. And, they're, and they serve a better shot in a fight than a woman does, naturally, generally speaking. So I think that women need to train because the men in the room are the ones that can help you develop that ability to have a shot in a fight. And the men I train with have permission to be on me so that if someone doesn't, I can get him off. And that is, that is the purpose of my training. That's why I started. And it is a little different with a woman. Don't get me wrong. If you find, I've got male training partners who I've matched up well with. They can, they've told me they can go as hard as they can on me. Physically, we're matched for it and that's fine. But it is something to, to just take in mind and things like I brought up earlier, like sitting on the face. There's just a little bit of, you know, sometimes you know how you set up so that you can do a Kimura. You're sitting kind Mm -hmm. of on Mm -hmm. the person's head and you're squeezing it with their knees if a man does that to me and he doesn't go for the sub fast, I'm tapping. No, you're not practicing that on my head. Get off my face. <laughs> and if a woman does it, I'll work on my escape. It just feels different. I can't define it. I don't care if it's sexist. It's just how I feel about it. Mm. I don't know if that answered your question. I tangent. Yeah, I just bit. I just think it's interesting. So I've trained with women throughout, you know, my my time in jujitsu. And first of all, I know that if I don't try, I will get my ass kicked. Because mm-hmm. the women that I've trained with are fucking savages. Mm-hmm. Keep right. you busy. Yeah, That's what just, women do. Yeah. Just keep Savages. Moving. Yeah. And will not like tolerate, oh, you're going to lay there? Well, now I'm going to tap you out 25 times. Yeah. Like at an incredible pace that I can't even think to keep up with. Yeah. <laughs> but I also know that like the strength or power that I would try to engage against like Ryan, right? I'm not even going to tap into that against those women. But it's also enjoyable because you know that like I'm going to focus I don't have to worry about that part of the game, right? I can focus 100% on, like, pure technique. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that in any way to be disrespectful. Because mm-hmm. um, I think about it, like, just like that 140-pound white belt guy off the street, like, almost the same thing, right? I don't have to worry about any of that mm-hmm. mechanism. Maybe I should never have to worry about that mechanism as a true jujitsu player, right? But um, there is it that, that comes into play regardless. So... I don't know what my point is here. Just that like I, I often like that because it's a chance to work on things without like your physical attributes being in the way. Right. I think I've, I've heard female training friends tell me that they find it insulting when men say, Oh, you're stronger than I expected. I don't know why they get offended at that personally. Cause again, I, I just think it is what it is. We're not usually as strong. I work out really hard. I work on a farm. Like I do everything to make me a stronger person for my size than average. So I hear that a lot and I take it as a compliment, which I think is why it's given. Um, But I think, I don't think most women get insulted when they hear the typical women use a lot of technique. It's, it's kind of known because that's what they have in their back pocket is I train a lot. I have technique I'm not going to be able to power push you off of me. I have to learn how to get my legs under you. You know, that's the whole point of jujitsu is mm. leverage and yeah. learning to use your legs. I'm interested to, to read that article when it's available because I think it's a, 
a learning moment that a lot of people need. Like you were saying, it, some people it's obvious they just get it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it naturally comes with experience, but I don't think it always does. And like you're saying, the the person that threw you and landed on you, like it was not obvious to him. He needed that mm-hmm. moment to be educated on how to act a little bit more appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I interviewed for that article um, Victor Bazzani and Allison Thurston, who are both Tedeco black belts that own schools that are known for retaining women. When women are comfortable, everyone's comfortable. That's a healthy environment. And so I wanted to talk to these two people about, you know, what's the what's the secret sauce? Like, how is it that you retain? Like, Bazzani's got like 20 women, something like that. Allison is a woman, so she explained about how she starts that sort of from the ground up, every man that walks in there is under the authority of a woman from the start. So mm. it's it was interesting. I, I needed I needed some expert opinions to talk about that, and to talk about aging grapplers and uh, and all of that because a- anybody can really train. I'm going to tell you a story. I'll be interested to hear your opinion of this. I don't know whether this is something to be proud of or not, but <clears throat> at my old gym, uh, was, we were you know finishing drills and we were kind of just doing our live rolls. And one of the women at our gym who, again, she would kick my ass if I ever, you know, took a pause. She's, you know, pretty good now. I think she's the purple or brown belt now. Um, she was rolling with a guy who was relatively new, and he was being pretty aggressive. And I think at one point, so I was training with one of my other buddies who's now black belt, and um, I think we heard her say, like, whoa, dude, like, you know, you're going pretty hard there, right? So we stopped, and we switched up, right? And I went with him the new guy and then my buddy rolled with, rolled with her and like I gave him a pretty good beating after that, you know, mm-hmm. like just was pretty aggressive with him. Mm-hmm. And he came up later and said like, that was I doing something wrong? And I was like, yeah, man, you were just like a little bit too aggressive. I was like, I know that you're learning this, but like you've got to realize that there's a time and a place for that and a partner for that. And you know, not everybody's, you're not going to be able to do that to everybody, which is why I was aggressive with you because I wanted you to see that, like, you can't just be smashing around a 120-pound girl because mm-hmm. you happen to be bigger, yeah. right? So I'm just curious, like, what does that, what do you think of when I tell that story? Because that's... I, I think that's spot on, you know, uh, not just women, but anyone who's significantly smaller than you or at a really lower skill. If you've got a brown belt beating up a white belt, are you really going to brag about it in the lobby it's nothing to brag about you're sure they're a white belt give them 10 years and they'll be where you are it's and for women it's it's kind of the same thing it's like do you want to brag about like how you beat up a girl all the time it's you have to curb your ego a little because occasionally you're going to get beat up by a girl when you train with women they're they're going to get you to tap um and getting them to tap, it, it can be something if she's a brown belt and you're a white belt. Yeah, you know, you can feel a little good when you get her to tap. But there is a, a courtesy there. And it's what are you seeking out of, you know, we're all seeking the thrill of getting people to tap. But but what is it you're getting out of it? Is it equal opportunity for any partner? Is it a little, you know, more of a boost when it's an upper belt? Um, it, it, it's really about seeking... Um, that thrill, but in a way that's appropriate. And one where you are all learning all the time. When you get someone to tap, that's a learning experience for them. You're not doing it to hurt their ego or to hurt their body or to hurt their feelings. We're all mutually trying to get the same thing out of this, and that's learning. 
Yeah. yeah I was going to make a um, very similar point to something you just touched on there. I have this conversation a lot with usually newer people and it's when they're down on themselves because they got tapped out 10 times in a round or they feel like they can't do this, they can't do that. And my question is always, well, what are you trying to get out of that round? Mm-hmm. Like, are you, are you here rolling with people just because you want to win that round or are you trying to learn what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to look very different. You're going to do different things. If you, if you're trying to win this, arbitrary round that doesn't mean anything versus if you're trying to you know get better at the skills that you learned in this class you're trying to get to the position that I taught you tonight you're trying to I don't know do the submission that we did tonight but it's hard to get there but you're working on it you know the the goals and the results are going to look very different depending on who you are who you're matched up with Mm -hmm. and what you care about and we try to steer people away from that mindset of the winning and the losing in the gym Mm mm-hmm it's interesting. Like I know my personal most fulfilling sparring here at the gym is when I have something specific that I want to work on, right? Like I go out and I watch some stuff from Eddie and I'm like, oh, that's what he's doing with the lockdown there, right? And then I go and just try that for like a month straight, right? Like that's fulfilling to me. And maybe it's because I'm an old fart, right? And I've already been tapped out 7 million times. I don't really care at this point, right? <laughs> but like... There's, a, it's different, right? It's different than like, I've got to go and I've got to tap this guy mm. five times, right? That's like a more, that's like a dominance feeling mm-hmm. that you're, that you're getting, right? Versus a learning feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It should, you know, you can get to that tap while you're doing those things you're trying to get to, right? But if that's the only thing I'm worried about, mm-hmm. it's a totally different mindset in my, in my, for me at least, then. Yeah. I spend a lot of time in bad spots. Shitty positions. Against mm-hmm. big people, small people, men, women. Sometimes the white belts tap me out because... I allow them to get a little bit too far down mm-hmm. the, the chain of what we're doing and I can't get myself out of it. And they're like, well, you, you let me do that. I'm like, let's be clear. I'm never letting you submit me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I let you get but to I my back. I let you get a little or... too far <laughs> and you did the right things and I had to tap. I think that jujitsu nerds are always trying to put together their own puzzle and they can't always share with their partners exactly what that is. I know for me, I've, I went a long period where I wasn't trying to sub people. I had, I was sick of getting smashed all the time. So I worked for honestly a year on my open guard game. And if I have anything that I think I'm good at for my level, it's hard to pass me because of that year where all I cared about was feet on the hips. They're not getting Mm. around. They're not getting around. I went a long time where I didn't know where to go with that until one day my, my old coach was like, okay, just start omoplotting. Like, if you're going to do this, mm. just go for that. And, you know, trying to give me some somewhere to go. But for a while, it's just a dance. I'm just going to keep you running around and tire you out. And I would get my rush out of watching people breathe heavy because they couldn't get around. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to pass is cardio. It's hard. And so I wasn't getting sub satisfaction so there's and people don't know that so then they might pass and then they sub me and then we start over and me in my head I'm like all right let's run around again let's work on what I'm working on in my head and I don't sub people very often because of it so it's all a matter of what you're working on yeah those are important skill building journeys to go on Mm -hmm. you need to yep we talk about the farm 
Sure, I love to talk about the farm. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you would. So I didn't know that you did that. Like, I didn't. All of a sudden, I noticed, like, oh, Audra's posting videos of her to farm. Like, where, is this her farm? Like, where, <laughs> I had no idea. So you were doing research, and then you ended up kind of filling in, or t- and then you just ended up kind of staying. I just stayed. So what do you do? Like, what is your, like, what's your... So I know I've already said that I, I'm, I have my hands in a lot of pots, but... Uh, I'm actually going back to my original career. So starting this summer, I'm going to be a mental health therapist at the farm. Again, I'm just never leaving there. So I, (laughs) I started there with, it was a different owner and everything. This was years ago. Uh, right now it's, it's good Pickens farm in Westford and they have summer camps and they have day programs and they just, they have horse riding lessons, everything. It's, it's just a magical, wonderful place. Um, you can even grow food there in the greenhouse and everything. I take care of, I clean, I, I clean cow shit. I clean horse shit. I just, I carry buckets. Um, I climb ladders. I throw hay. Uh, all of it is part of my cross training. I'll run with the wheelbarrows while they're full for no reason. It's, I'm always trying to get a workout while I'm there. And then I just get to bond with animals and post all my cute little animal videos. And I have this weird animal following and a weird jujitsu following <laughs> my page is bizarre <laughs> it's very respectable work though from i mean i spend every day watching my wife out there doing mm-hmm. all the same work and it's badass i feel good after completing a checklist people underestimate the power of a checklist in your life and farm work is checklist work and it's uh having living sentient Sentient creatures, is that the word? Sentient. Sentient, thank you. Sentient creatures that rely on you and um, and trust you and you form these bonds. So I love that part of it, but I love the manual labor of it. Even on a really hard winter day, as long as you don't get wet. If you get wet, you're you're going to hate your life. But if as long as you stay dry on those days, I leave feeling really accomplished. Everyone got fed. Nobody's sleeping in poop tonight. Mm-hmm. I've done everything I need to do. Everyone's cared for. I feel so good. Yeah, it, I mean, if you don't feed them, they don't eat. Yep. If you don't clean their stalls, they, they sleep in, in shit. Yep. It must be done. And they're grateful. I, I post a lot of the alpaca videos of them having an absolute celebration when their stalls are cleaned. All fresh the, shavings. Oh, fresh <laughs> shavings. It is wonderful to watch. They all The chickens, everybody appreciates it. And um, yeah, it is respectable work's a good word for it. I love it. It's very funny to me. I crack up. I've probably mentioned, I've probably uh, messaged you about it, but like just to see their reaction to you, it's like hilarious. Like they just like personalities, right? Like, yes. Yes. Funny. I have a duck that thinks I'm his girlfriend. (laughs) I figured that out recently. Are you his girlfriend? I am his girlfriend. (laughs) Little Thor. Um, He is so, he's so cute. Um, Anyone who's listening to this, Audra, my dear, you can check out the little farm animals. Um, but they, I, I recently started, I, I've always held him, but I started sitting and letting him snuggle with me. And then he started like pecking me and attacking me, but it wasn't like angry. And I was like researching this. I'm like, oh, that's what ducks do. He thinks I'm his girlfriend. <laughs> so now I have to stand up with him. We all have to learn our boundaries and I've given him some boundaries. That's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good videos. Definitely, <laughs> definitely check, their, check them out. Mm-hmm. What time is it? Uh, it's about time for class. Oh God! I have to do nogi. To do. Time to do nogi. We have to ask you. Is anybody up there? Probably. Okay. It's okay. We have to ask you two important questions. Mm-hmm. The first question is: What do you tell people when they ask you about what's the thing you do at the gym? 
like explaining what jujitsu is. Yeah. What's uh, that? Do you do karate? Do you do what is that that you do? What do you, what do you tell? You them? Do a martial art? Yeah. Oh, the answer to that, uh, I say it depends who I'm talking to. I sometimes I'll just say like, oh yeah, I wrestle men just because people <laughs> people find that funny and like weird and quirky, and um, sometimes I I might go into more of a detailed explanation. It's a defensive art where you're grappling which is essentially like fighting on the ground, but you don't hit and you don't kick and you are trying to choke the other person or uh, break their, use joint locks to essentially break them, but it never gets that far. It usually doesn't get that far. And then when they follow up with, oh, so I shouldn't mess with you? I'm like, that's right. (laughs) Because I had someone ask me about that at the gas station the other day. (laughs) It's just like asking what I I do in town. I'm like, oh, I just do jujitsu here. Oh, I shouldn't mess with you. No, you shouldn't. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Only Um, the second person to actually say that in response, right? (laughs) So far, we've asked that question of everybody. What, people don't say that? No. Seems like most of us kind of dance around the topic. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, it's like... I think being more direct is probably... What we should be if, doing. If you're me, yeah, you have to just pretend because it is a little bit pretending because I don't ever want to put myself in a sticky situation, but it's fun to laugh with anyone. So you can say, yeah, yes, don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Only, uh, I definitely avoid it. But your answer is very thoughtful, though, about like ground fighting with no kicking. And I never really think to get into that level of detail, but it really helps people understand what it is because even if you just say grappling people don't know what that yeah. is mm-hmm. you i always say grappling so that's you're yeah. right that's a good point no people i didn't know what that that's what it was when i went to the mma match and saw that there were grapplers and i'm like what is grappling then they were on the floor and i'm like i still don't understand what's <laughs> happening I'm like why is this man scooting it it made no sense to me <laughs> must have been a 10th planet guy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. want to ask you the other question so you did have a super fight what was single your walkout song? Sing, yeah, your <laughs> single what was match. the walkout song to your single match? I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. <laughs> Although someone, <laughs> someone recently told me that I should play Stacy's Mom Has Got It Going On because my kid's name is Stacia. And it's kind of funny. Yeah. I might do that. Wow, I don't know if I can add that song to the, it, to the walkout playlist. It might kill the mood in the gym. <laughs> so Jeff has a Spotify playlist that we add all these to from every guest, all their walkout songs. And we play it. I mean, in it's, class sometimes it's like rad '80s music, right? So you're gonna train to Whitney Houston? One hundred percent. Yes. Do you know what Pat's um, hidden guilty pleasure song is? <laughs> what? Do you, would you ever guess in a million years? Give me any guess that you would think. Well, of. now I'm wondering if it's a Whitney Houston song. It's not, not a Whitney, Whitney Houston song, no. But it's something like that. It's something equally <laughs> cheesy. Yes. <laughs> oh God, I don't know. Um, it's a little more modern than a little modern, a little more than I want to dance with somebody. Happy by Pharrell. No, but that'd be funny too. <laughs> um, I could picture that. Kelly Clarkson. Oh, well, since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. That's not yeah. his walkout song, but that's if, his. That's if that song doesn't pump you up, you're dead inside. <laughs> See, that Jesus. song is. Uh, yeah, I'll blast that. Finally, if that comes one on person on my side. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> seventy-five to one. <laughs> Got all of my family and friends against me. <laughs> I like to bring that up when I, when I can, just make them laugh. So Always down for a good laugh. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put either of my songs on your playlist for. Well, we have to. I mean, it's not you know. It's a rule. We have yeah. to do it. Everybody likes you want to dance with somebody. Stacy's mom is who who sings that song? I don't know. Someone just recently told me that. 
I hadn't, hadn't played it for myself. I will say, Stacia's mom has got to go. It does on. always catch the <laughs> attention of the audience when there's like a walkout song you don't expect. Like everyone's expecting like some either hard rock or rap. Like everyone wants to get pumped up. But I wanted something very humble mood. because I was like, I'm here to have fun. And that's that's what I wanted to walk out to. Yeah. It's just like, here I am here to do my thing. Well, what did um, what did Adam Nash say his was? It's the Hulk Hogan theme was his. Yeah, he walked out to "I Am a Real American" to an MMA fight, or maybe yeah. all of his MMA fights. Yeah, yeah. So there's no right answer or no. wrong answer for there. It's whatever for that works matter. for you is what we've learned from yeah. everybody. Everybody's all over the place. We have one guy who said his was a Leonard Cohen song, mm. which is <laughs> which is on the on the playlist. We skip it when it comes up, but it's on the playlist because it's very slow and dark. Right. Oh, you'd appreciate this one. Um, Tom from 10th Planet Fairfield told them he wanted to walk out to silence. Oh, he did? Yeah. Because they actually talked about that. <laughs> they talked about it during, the, during the, yeah. the, um, the stream, whether or not they're like, oh, he came out to silence, the sounds of silence, yeah. and like whether or not that was like his choice. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was his choice. That's really funny. That's interesting. I think they asked, like, oh, did he not submit a song? Right. Yeah. Yep, no, that's what he requested. Wow. I think my favorite one was Nick Ortiz walks out to Purple Rain. Mm. And he has, like, this whole thing where he, like, takes off his fanny pack. Of course. He's, he sets the tone mm-hmm. for for who he is. I yeah. Like, I like that kind of style. Yeah. Something very intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, we saw Nick at um, the Enigma. Enigma, maybe? Enigma yeah. 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 That's right. We were there. That's mm-hmm. right. All right. Cool. Ready to wrap it up? Are you ready to train? Ready to train? Let's do it. Yes. Came all this way. Got to get some mat time in. That's right. That's right. Audra, thank you. We will have to have you back um, when we can discuss more. Once you get published, Mm, there's there's your motivation. I will be old and gray. (laughs) (laughs) And once this, uh, once your next article is out, um, shoot the link to us so we can link it off the podcast since we talked to it. Yeah. Talked about it. I did want to say real quick that um, Rolling Times is going to be doing some partnering with Muscle and Fitness Magazine, and I do have an article coming out there soon as well with Coach Mike Perry, who's kind of known around New England. So that's some exciting stuff cool. coming out as well. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Afterwards, send us links to things you want us to share, and we'll put them in the yeah. podcast description. Sounds good. Where can people find you if they want to? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Audra My Dear. And Hummingbird Reads <laughs> for, you know, non-jitsu-related book stuff. That's right. And they can find you on Rolling Times Magazine. Yeah, and I'm Rolling Times Magazine. I'm always around there doing different things. Cool. Well, thank you for coming out. It's Thanks been a long time. I appreciate it. Let's Very insightful trip. discussion today. I was, yeah, I was thinking I like this is, we got some into some deep things. Thanks for so having me, guys. This yeah. was fun. All right. Let's go roll. Let's go roll.